following message is presented by First Baptist Church of Morgan City, Louisiana. For more information, go to the website www.fbcmc.org. Now the message. If you have your Bibles this morning, we will be in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 5. Continuing on from where we were at last week in Luke chapter 4, when Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law. We are looking at the compassion of Christ through the miracles that he performed while he was on this earth. For most of my life, as long as I can remember, I've been around the water, I've been around boats, uh, I've been around uh, bass fishing, uh, perch fishing, white perch, goggle eye, sockle whatever you want to call them, catfish. I uh, haven't done a whole lot of saltwater fishing in my lifetime. I've done some, but uh, for as long as I can remember, I've either been in a boat, around a boat, uh, riding in a boat, driving a boat. Uh, I think before I got my driver's license, I knew how to back a boat trailer down into a boat launch. Uh, that was a prerequisite at De Quincey High School, by the way. Uh, is that for you to be able to know how to back a trailer down into a boat launch? And so... Boats of all different shapes and sizes I've been around. I've been from everything from a 12-foot John boat, a kayak. I've been on an 1,100-foot cruise ship. I was fascinated at the size of it and uh, how everything operated while we were on that and just the enormous size of that ship there. So I've been around all different kinds of boats. So coming to Morgan City, seeing all the different boats of many different shapes and sizes, it was nothing uncommon for me. Uh, around here, you see boats that are used for all different things. You see the ones with the racks, there's all the crab traps on them. Uh, you see the ones that are bass fishing boats. You see the speed boats. You see the tugboats going up and down the Atchafalaya River. Uh, the workhorses that are used to push the barges up and down the river. They're not speedy, but uh, man, they can push a lot. Uh, they get the job done. Many of you have been tugboat captains before, you've worked around those vessels. Uh, you use them for fishing and for crawfishing. Uh, some are basically for, uh, we even have airboats around here with some that look like airplanes, and they sound like airplanes when they're coming down the river as well. In, in the Bible, we see boats used for many different things as well. There are several occasions where boats are mentioned. Of course, the biggest one that comes to mind is uh, four football fields in length, Noah's Ark. Uh, didn't have a rudder, didn't have a steering mechanism on it. Because God was going to be in control of it. It was used basically to haul creation in one family. Uh, it was sealed up. And when the rains came, they were all protected on the ark. And so it was an enormous in its size. And it was created for one purpose and one purpose only. The boat that we're going to talk about today is much, much smaller than this. As a matter of fact, archaeologists back in the 1980s, uh, when the Sea of Galilee, the scene of our story this morning, whenever the, the shorelines were exposed, the water had receded, uh, the lake was at an all-time low, uh, it was an enormous, they called it a sea, it was so big, but it was a freshwater lake, and there was so much of the shoreline exposed that they actually found a vessel that they think was one of the fishing ships that was used, basically like the one in our story today, and they said that this one measured 27 foot in length. Not very large. It was only about seven and a half, eight foot wide, and maybe about four foot deep. It wasn't a very deep vessel as well because it wasn't made to go out on the ocean. It wasn't made to haul a whole lot of people. It was for one purpose, 
and one purpose only, and that was to go carry the nets that would catch the fish in that freshwater lake. And so Peter, whose mother-in-law was healed last week, allowed the Lord to come into his house to perform this miracle. Up until the point that we look at today, Peter had had several experiences with the Lord, several encounters. He had seen a couple of his miracles, but never quite as big of a miracle as what we see today. This miracle that we look at today would completely change Peter's life. I'm talking about all the way to his occupation. It would change his family life. It would change basically who he was. Because after his encounter with Jesus today, his entire life would be devoted to following the Lord. Last week, Jesus was in Peter's house. This week, Jesus is in Peter's boat. And when I ask the question, is Jesus in your boat, I'm not just talking about a fishing vessel that you may own. I'm talking about, is he in your life? Has he entered into your life in a way to a point to where you have submitted completely to him and said, what I have is now yours, and my life does not just exist to meet with you once a week on Sunday, but every day, every hour, every minute of my life, I want to be a devoted follower of yours. So if you have your Bibles this morning, Luke chapter 5, beginning in verse 1, let's all stand for the reading of God's Word. If you notice in our outline, we're not on a little four-point sermon this morning. We're hitting on all eight cylinders this morning. Uh, There's a lot to unpack. This is quite possibly one of my favorite passages. Uh, This story is recorded in several of the Gospels, but we are following along the chronology that Luke writes in his Gospel. And beginning in verse 1, Luke records this, So it was, as the multitude pressed about him, to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret, the Sea of Galilee, same name. And he saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, that is Peter, and he asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boats. Basically what Jesus was using, he was using the water surface as an amplifier, as a speaker, so the crowd could see him and hear his teaching. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught Nothing. How many of you can say amen? I can relate to a fishing trip like that. I know I can. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. I don't know what translation you're using. I'm using the New King James Version. But if you'll notice here, I want you just to underline, Jesus says, let down your nets for a catch. But Peter kind of half-heartedly obeys the Lord. He said, we're going to let down our net. And so we'll talk about that a little more here in just a moment. Whether it's plural or whether it's singular, uh, I don't know for sure. But we're going to talk about that in just a moment. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, 
For I am a sinful man, O Lord. Notice he first starts calling Jesus Master, now he calls him Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you, Lord God, that you give us the opportunity to submit to your will, Lord God. And I thank you that you lovingly show us your compassion by giving those nudges, Lord God, in our life to draw us closer to you. I thank you, Lord God, that you don't force your will upon us, but you want us to come to you under our own strength, under our own thankfulness, and under our own gratitude to serve you and bow down at your knees and call you Lord. I thank you for the lessons that you teach us, Lord God, and the way that they shape our lives, and I pray that what we hear through this message today will change our lives for all eternity. And all God's people said, Amen. The first thing that we notice in this passage and in this story and in this account of this encounter with Jesus that Peter has is that, number one, God's plans are always unhindered. Notice that he doesn't go up just to Simon Peter's boat and begin taking over. He doesn't just step into it right away and say, this is the only boat here, this is the only boat that I want. But Luke actually points out that there are two boats there on shore. So what I want you to learn by this is, is that when God approaches you with a directive, when he gives you a command, when he makes a request of your life, he doesn't force himself upon you to say yes. We are born with a free will. God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But he's patient with us, like I read out of that psalm, just a moment ago. He gives you the opportunity to say, yes, Lord, I'll serve you, or no, Lord, I'm not ready to do that. And so I think that's the reason why Luke points out that there were two boats, because if Peter were to have said, no, Jesus, you're not coming in my boat, not today. I don't want you as a part of my life. I don't want to do your bidding. I don't want to do your will. Jesus would have said, okay, we're going to leave it at that, and I'll just go on to the next boat. Has anybody here ever said no to the Lord when God asked you to do something? I know I've said it multiple times. But God's plan always goes unhindered. Listen closely to what I'm about to say. God's going to accomplish his will in this world with or without you. Your life is not the only life that he can use. Your life is not the only life that he will approach. Your life is not the only life that he has blessed. But when he comes up and he wants you to do something, if you refuse to do it, he's going to accomplish it by using someone else. And I think that's the reason that Luke points out that there were two boats parked right there. God never, ever forces his will on anyone. Whether it's a salvation call or whether it's a call for a specific service to him, God is not going to force his will upon your life. You're born with a free will. You're born with the opportunity to say, God, 
not in my life, not right now. My life is my own, and I want you to leave it alone. I want you to leave it just the way it is. If you're not willing to respond to his request, someone else will. And God will bless someone else with that opportunity to serve him. Next, I want you to see that God's calling often comes unexpectedly. Second part of verse 2, it says that the men had gone from their boats and they were washing their nets. They were going through their daily routine of what they typically do. They were washing their nets. They were through for the day. They had fished all night long. Their nets were dirty. They had seaweed on them. They had clamshells. They had everything else that you can imagine stuck to their nets. So at the end of the day, when the job was done, they would take their nets to the seashore and they would clean them. They would mend them, any breaks or tears in the nets. They would repair their nets. They were done for the day, though. They were going through their daily, dull, boring, humdrum routine of life that they had gone through each and every day. And then unexpectedly, God shows up in their life says, hey, you're not done yet. There's something else that I want you to do. So can you imagine this conversation that there's going on? Peter and his brothers, his fishing partners, were there on the seashore. <clears throat> Man, these nets, I, I don't know what happened. They usually catch fish. We didn't catch anything at all last night. It must have been the moon. We must have been fishing in the wrong place. What if we would have fished a little further up the, the sea? What if we would have stayed out a little bit longer? What if we would have went to the other side of the ocean? Now I'm tired. I can't believe we worked all night under our own strength and under our own desires, trying to catch fish under our own power, but yet we caught nothing at all. Let's just fix our nets. Let's go home and get some breakfast. Let's sleep through the day and be ready to do it all again tonight. Do you ever just go through your normal daily routine, humdrum, this is my life, this is all that's going to ever going to happen, this is all that's uh, it's going to be the same like this no matter what, my life is never going to change, I'm stuck in this rut of doing the same thing day in and day out, and then all of a sudden God does something unexpectedly in your life to change your routine. It's exactly what happens to Peter and his fishing partners here. They think that this is going to be just another ordinary day of mending their nets, going home, and going through the daily routine. And then all of a sudden, unexpectedly, God shows up. The next thing that I want you to see is that God's plans will often take us into the unknown. They thought it was going to be just another ordinary, dull, humdrum, routine day. But God is about to take them into uncharted waters. And every now and then, God steps into our life. And when I refer to Jesus stepping into your boat, I'm talking about him stepping into your life. Because that's exactly what Jesus does to Peter right here. He steps into his boat, and in doing so, he steps into his life and completely changes everything about his life. In verse 4, we see... Uh, when he stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let your nets down for a catch. 
Not only did he show up unexpectedly and step in his boat, said, launch out, let me teach the crowd, but here's what I want you to do. I want to take you a little bit further than everyone else. Jesus had already finished speaking to the crowd. He had already used Simon Peter's boat for a big purpose in teaching the audience. He said, I'm through teaching the audience. Now, Simon Peter, I want to teach you something. I want to take you to a place that you don't know. I want to take you to a place that you've never been. And every now and then, God steps into our life and he says, I want to take you a little bit further than I've taken you before. I want to take you to a place where you never thought you'd be able to go. And I want to help you to do something that you never thought you would be capable of doing under your own strength and under your own power. I want you to notice uh, here in just a moment the words that Simon Peter uses. Simon Peter expresses to the Lord, Lord, we have done this under our own power. We have done this under our own strength. We have worked all night long and we have caught nothing. Jesus said, yeah, but now I'm in your boat and things are about to change. Several things about Jesus' request here made no sense whatsoever. He stopped speaking. He was through with the audience and he turns to the disciples. He says, I'm fixing to teach you a lesson that you will never forget. Number one, we're up into the heat of the day. The sun's out. You, normally you fish at nighttime. So that's something that is unknown to Peter. We don't normally fish during the night time, uh, daytime. We fish at nighttime. Next thing he says, I want you to launch out into the deep and let down your nets. Normally they fish in the shallows where the fish are schooled up at. The place where their little nets can go down and catch all the fish. Jesus says it's the middle of the day. I don't want you to fish in the shallow water. I want you to fish in the deep water. Normally you do things the way that you want to do them. Now I want you to do things the way I want you to do them. So that leads me to point number four. God's calling upon our life is undeniable. Jesus is fixing to remove any shadow of a doubt about who he is. And he's fixing to make it undeniable to Peter that, Peter, I want to use your life to do something great. God's plans are always unhindered. God's calling often comes unexpectedly. And God's plans often take us into the unknown, places that we never thought we'd go. But God's calling, when it comes to your life, is going to be undeniable. There'll be several incidents in your life. There'll be several situations where you'll scratch your head. You'll think about it. You'll wonder, is this God's calling or not? But when God puts his hand upon your life and he says, I want you, nobody else, I want you to do this job for my kingdom you're not going to be able to deny it the calling is going to be so strong that it's going to be undeniable verse 5 Simon answered and said to him master we have toiled all night long and caught nothing do you ever think you know more than God does? Do you ever question something that God is telling you to do? Yeah, but God, that, that's not going to work. 
Yeah, I, I know that you created this world and this universe, but let, let me handle this, God, because I know all about, oh, so-and-so. I know all about this situation. I know way more than you do about what's going on here. That's exactly what Peter is saying to the Lord. He's pretty much denying that Jesus can do something that Peter can't do on his own. Do you ever question God's request or his directives? I know I do all the time. God, that just don't make sense. God, that's not normally how we do it here. (laughs) It don't work in this neighborhood. We've tried reaching those people before. We've knocked on their doors before. We've prayed for those people year in and year out. Lord, it's just not going to work if I go talk to those people. We always second guess God's request for us to do something. But God's calling upon our life is undeniable. When God wants us to do something, when the time is right, when he has everything set and in order, just like this situation that we're in with Jesus and Peter's boat, I'm pretty sure that God made those fish go away from Peter all night long just to set up this scene that we're looking at right now. And now Jesus is going to snap his finger and all the fish are going to come back right where they need to be at just the right time when Peter lets down his nets. God's calling upon our life. What God asks us to do, what God wants us to do, when he calls upon us, when he asks us to do something, it's going to be completely undeniable that this is the hand of God I'm submitting to his control. I'm submitting to his power. And I believe that he has already set everything up for this to be successful this time. I've done it before under my own power, but now I'm going to let God have control because I can't deny what he's wanting to do right here and right now in my life. Point number five, God's requests are typically unusual he says nevertheless at your word I will let down my nets God this goes against all my reasoning this goes against everything that I've ever done everything that I've ever been taught as a fisherman this request of yours is so unusual nevertheless because you've asked me to Jesus had asked him launch into the deep Let down your nets. I know you fished all night long. Just trust me on this one. This request is unusual, but that's how I'm going to test your faith and your belief in me. And let me tell you something. God's going to ask you to do something at some point in your life that's so unorthodox and so off the wall that it doesn't make sense. And that's how you know that it's God doing it. Because only he could take a situation like that and really accomplish something from it. Notice Jesus' request. Launch out in the deep and let down your nets. Master, but we've toiled all night. This is so unusual. It doesn't make sense. Nevertheless, here's what I've seen you do so far. Basically what Peter is saying. I saw you heal my mother-in-law. You rebuked the fever, and it obeyed. It left you. You've cast out demons. 
You made the lame to walk. You made the blind to see. I'm going to trust you on this one. Because of who you are, because what I've seen you do so far, because of the evidence that I've already experienced in my life, I'm going to do this one request. I'm going to let down my debt, no matter how crazy it sounds. We may be able to determine Sometimes it's hard to figure God's will out. Sometimes it's hard to understand. Sometimes God asks us to do something just to see what our response is going to be. And sometimes God will tell us to do something that is so off the wall crazy that I've never done it like that before. Nevertheless, I can't deny this calling that's on my life. Nevertheless, I want to see something happen in that loved one's life. Nevertheless, I've tried to balance my checkbook and it just doesn't work out. But you're telling me to tithe and give my 10% and trust you with what little bit I have? That sounds so off the wall. It sounds so unusual. That's how you'll know that God is who he is. When you step out in faith and when you trust him with those unusual circumstances and when you go to those places that you don't normally go to and talk to those people that you don't normally talk to, nevertheless, what you ask me to do because I know you're God, because I've experienced this so far in my life, let's see what you can do with this situation. Not only are God's requests typically unusual, when we finally do submit to the Lord, when we see his mighty powerful hand revealed in our life, when we see the miraculous occur, when God finally opens up our eyes with his interactions in our everyday activities, that's when we actually feel God's presence in our life. God, I know that was you. That's the only way I can explain it, Lord, is that you did this. You made this happen. You caused that person to repent of their sins and give you their life. You answered that prayer that I've been praying for 10, 20, 30 years now. God, I know you're in my life because of the evidence that you've shown me. That's what happens in Peter's life as well. God answers a prayer. God intervenes. Jesus steps into his boat and steps into his life. He takes him out into the unknown. And then he does the miraculous to reveal to Peter exactly who he was. Nevertheless, at your word, I'm going to do what you've asked me to do. And then Jesus reveals his power to Peter. They let down their nets. All of a sudden, God makes all of those fish come into their nets at once. A place where they had fished at all night long, under their own power, under their own reasoning, and haven't caught anything. Now, at the sound of Jesus' voice, at Jesus' request, at Jesus' command, their nets are completely full. And Peter is blown away by it. 
So now he's seen Jesus heal his mother-in-law. He's seen Jesus cast out demons. But now he sees that Jesus controls the fish in the ocean as well. He realizes that he is in the presence of God Almighty, the one who is in control of all things, and he realizes that God has stepped into his boat and into his life and revealed himself to him, and Peter doesn't understand why it has happened to him. And every now and then, God steps into your life, and he reveals who he is, and he reveals what he has done in your life, and he reveals what he wants to do with your life as well. And when you recognize God as who he is, when you recognize that the sovereign Lord of this universe has stepped in your life, it should create an uneasy feeling in your life. Why me, Lord? Why have you allowed yourself to step into my life? And why have you chosen my boat, my life to step into? God's presence typically causes us to feel uneasy. When we realize our sinfulness compared to his holiness, it should create an uneasy feeling in our life as well. Look at Peter's response whenever the nets are filled with fish. The other boats come to help. They haul them in and the boats are about to sink. Verse number 8. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. He's no longer calling Jesus Master. He's calling him Lord. And he's saying, Why do you have anything to do with me? You're the God of this universe. You're the creator of all things. The fish obey your voice. And now you have chosen to bless me with your presence. But I'm a sinful man and I don't deserve to be in your presence. There are several other occasions in the Bible where other people have experienced God's presence. They had the same reaction as well. You see, whenever you step into God's presence, whenever he steps into your life, and when you recognize yourself as a sinful human being compared to the holiness of God, it should create a sense of awe. It should create a sense of respect. But it also should create a God-fearing sense in your life like you've never experienced before. Job experienced this as well. When Job finally realized who God was in relation to his sinful life, here's what Job said. Write this verse down, Job 42, verses 5 and 6. He says, I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you. See, that's what Peter's experiencing right now. He had heard of God all of his life as a Jewish boy. He was taught in the synagogues. But now he is in the presence of Almighty God. And that's exactly what Job felt as well. He says, I've heard of you by the hearing of my ear, but now I see you. Therefore, I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. Isaiah had the same experience as well in his temple vision. 
Isaiah chapter 6, write this verse down. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 5. When Isaiah realized that he was in the presence of Almighty God, he says, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Has God revealed himself like that to you in your life? Have you had an experience where Jesus has stepped into your boat and stepped into your life and really revealed to him who he is and what he could do with your life if you would submit to him? In the book of Revelation, John writes this when he has his vision of Jesus. He says, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And typically when you see anyone in the Bible that encounters an angel or has a theophany where they know that they are in the presence of God, they are struck down with a sense of awe. It makes them feel uneasy about who they are and being in his presence. You know, there, there are some places I've heard on the internet, I've read on the internet, I've seen it on the news before where some churches say that whenever God shows up, uh, people start barking like dogs. No, I don't think so. Some people say they're slain in the spirit. They just fall out in the presence of God. Some people say there's uncontrollable laughter. Look, don't buy into none of that garbage. When you experience God and his holiness, it should create a sense of awe in you like you've never experienced before. And you should be like Peter. You should say, look, I, I don't deserve to be in your presence. No, there's not uncontrollable laughter. You're not going to bark like a dog. You're not going to fall out. You're going to bow at his knees and you're going to say, thank you, Lord, for being a part of my life and allowing me to experience your presence on this day. God's presence typically causes us to feel uneasy. It creates a sense of awe. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. So what happened to Peter? Peter experienced Jesus Christ in a way that he had never experienced before. He knew that he was in the presence of God Almighty. And it changed who he was. Verse 9 says, For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. Point number seven. As we see in verse 10, he says, you used to catch fish. You used to spend all night long toiling under your own power and under your own labor. He said, and in just the same way that we caught all of these fish, from now on you're going to catch people that way as well. He says, you're not going to spend your life being unfruitful and unproductive. Point number seven, faithfully following Jesus will never Leave us unfruitful. Jesus said, you know what? You tried all night long. You couldn't do it on your own. 
at the sound of my voice, you obeyed me, you followed me, and I gave you a catch like you've never experienced before. But from this point on, you're not going to fish for fish anymore. You're going to fish for men. The result, Peter left his fishing business and he followed Jesus for three and a half years. The result of that, his training, his experience with the Lord, on the day of Pentecost, God used Peter to preach a sermon and 3,000 people came to know Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. Just like that great catch on that day where they filled the boats up with fish. God's kingdom was filled with over 3,000 people. What potential is there here in our congregation today? Do you want to spend the remainder of your life being fruitful or unfruitful? Do you want to just go out and catch fish or do you want to go out and catch people for God's kingdom? It all starts by this, obedience. There's three major steps to what Peter goes through today. First, his obedience. Second, his confession. And third, his commitment. What potential is there in this congregation today? I don't know. It all starts by your obedience, by stepping out and say, God, I want you in my boat. I want you in my life. I want you calling the shots. I want you to tell me where to fish at. I want you to tell me where to go. And I don't want to be unfruitful anymore. I want to catch people for your kingdom. Nevertheless, at your command, Lord, I'll do what you asked me to do. And I know that by obeying you, I will never be unfruitful again in my life. Point number eight. The commitment that Peter makes, he was certain about it. We know that Peter had a family. We know that Peter had a business. We know that Peter had a life of his own. But now Peter is certain about following the Lord. He says, I'm willing to give all of that up to follow you and be a fisher of men. I want to be one of your disciples. My life as I know it, no longer exists. A new life is beginning. And I want to obediently follow you. There was no uncertainty in Peter's decision at all. As soon as his feet hit the shore, he was following Jesus from that day on. Look at verse 11. It says, So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. Committing our lives to Jesus will never leave us feeling uncertain. Point number eight. There's no uncertainty in their decision. The evidence was right before their eyes. Two boats filled with fish. Jesus Christ has stepped into my boat. He stepped into my life. And he has revealed to me who he is. He's revealed my sinfulness in relation to his holiness. And if you'll notice in this passage, Jesus didn't have to point out Peter's sinful life. Peter realized that on his own. And the point in your life, there comes a point in your life where you have to say, you know what? I'm a nobody. 
I'm a nobody, but I know somebody <laughs> who can do miraculous things. I know somebody who gave his life for me. And now this nobody wants to tell everybody all about somebody who came and died on the cross for their sins as well. But there's a certainty in what Peter does. He forsook all and he followed him. He left behind his business. He left behind his family. He left behind his house. And he said, Jesus, wherever you go, that's where I want to go. Wherever you lead me, I'm going to follow. Whatever you tell me to do, that's what I'm going to do. Peter says, there's been a lot of uncertainties in my life. But here's one thing that I'm certain about. You are Lord. You are in control and I'm not. And compared to your holiness, I'm just a sinful man. And I know that you have stepped in my life and here's the evidence now and I can't deny it. And he was willing to forsake all. Could this have been a decision that Peter had been struggling with? I, I would have to think so. He had seen Jesus. He had co had conversations with Jesus. Jesus had been in his house. Jesus had healed his mother-in-law. Maybe Peter had been sailing all along. You know, I, I, I just need that one little bit of evidence that will really convince me to follow Jesus with my life. And maybe that's where you're at right now. Maybe God has been doing things in your life, nudging you closer into a relationship with Him. Maybe He has been slowly revealing His will for your life. Maybe He has been preparing you. Maybe He has been conditioning you. And then there's going to be that one moment, that one big moment in His life where it becomes undeniable. God, I know you want to do Something great with my life. And right now, I'm going to forsake all. I'm going to turn my back on my life as I know it, and I'm going to submit everything to you. I'm going to fall down at your knees. You're going to be Lord, Master, Ruler, and I want to follow you for the rest of my life. Perhaps that's you today. Perhaps God has been nudging you along. Perhaps today is a sermon that you needed to hear to push you to that point to where you're willing to forsake all and follow Him. So we're studying about the compassion of Christ. We're studying about the miracles of Jesus. Here, here's the compassion of Christ through this miracle. Jesus could have forced Peter to bow down and worship Him, and follow Him. But He didn't. All He did was present the evidence. Just as easily as the Lord commanded the fish to be right under Peter's boat when they lowered down the nets, and just as easily as Peter rebuked the fever that his mother-in-law had, and just as easily as Jesus cast out the demons from those people who were possessed. Jesus could have just as easily said, Peter, I want you to bow down and worship me. And I want you to submit to me. But Jesus didn't do that. 
Peter willingly bow down to Jesus. God could force you to worship him, but he doesn't. God could force you to serve him with your time, your money, your effort, your talents, but he doesn't. A forced love is not a true love. You can't force anyone to love you, and God can't force you to serve him. But what he will do is he'll step into your boat, he'll step into your life enough times and provide you with evidence and provide you with proof that he is trying to speak to you and talk to you. But what he's waiting for you to do is to bow down and say, yes, you are my Lord. You are my master. And of my own free will, I give my life to you to do with as you please. One small miraculous event after the other in your life. And then finally you reach the break point to where you say, I know this is God. I'm certain of his calling in my life. And it's undeniable what God is wanting to do. God gives you the choice. Just like he gave Peter that choice. He said, Peter, you can let me come into your boat or I'll just go to the next boat. Peter, you can let down your nets or you can choose not to let down your net. You're going to miss out on the biggest catch you've ever had and experienced before in your life. But Peter says, nevertheless, at your command, at your word, at your request, I'm going to do, I'm going to willingly do what you've asked me to do. Right now, perhaps there have been some things happening in your life that you can't explain. Uncontrollable circumstances, if you want to call them that. Things just aren't adding up. And maybe today God has used this message to gain your full attention. And now, maybe today, this morning, it's time for you to decide. Will you give him full control or not? Will you be more than just a spectator in what God wants to do here in Morgan City at First Baptist Church? Are you willing to become a dedicated follower of the Lord Jesus Christ? Let him step into your boat today. Let him step into your life And just like Peter, the first step is obedience. You submit to his will. You say, God, whatever it is you ask me to do, that's what I'm going to do. No matter how ridiculous it sounds, no matter how off the wall, no matter how unorthodox, no matter how crazy it sounds, God, I'm going to do what you ask me to do. Obedience is the first step. Confession is the next step. God, I know that I'm a sinful person and I need you in my life. Come take control. And then you commit to being a follower of his. You say, from this moment on, for the rest of my life, no matter what, I'm going to follow you and I'm going to do exactly what you tell me to do. I'm going to go where you tell me to go. I'm going to leave all that other junk behind and I'm going to work to accomplish your will here on earth in Morgan City 
with my life by doing what you asked me to do. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I don't know where you stand in your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ this morning. You may be a little skeptical. You may be a little uneasy about it. Or you may know beyond the shadow of a doubt that God has been nudging you to make a commitment to follow Him. Let today be that day. Let today be the day when He steps into your boat and you fall down on His knees and say, Lord, nevertheless, my life as I know it, I give it to you. I submit to your will and your way. I, I know that I'm a sinful person. I know that there are some things in my life that are ungodly and unchristlike. And I'm willing to forsake all of that to become more like you. And I'm willing to follow you wherever you ask me to go. Wherever you lead me, I'll follow. Your first act of obedience may be this morning as soon as the music begins. If God is calling you to do something special with your life. If God is calling you to surrender to Him, let today be that day. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning. I don't know what each person here is dealing with, Lord. I don't know what you've done in their life. I don't know what you're doing right now. But Lord, I know what you've done in my life. I, I know the events that you have revealed to me, your holiness, and that you are in control and I'm not. And Lord, I want people here to experience that same feeling. To know beyond the shadow of a doubt that my life is pleasing to you. Lord, that's what I want them to know. So if there's any one person here that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, if they have yet to step out in faith and ask you to save them from their sins, Lord God, I pray that today would be that day. This invitation would be that time. And they would turn their lives over to you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The preceding message was presented by First Baptist Church in Morgan City, Louisiana. For more information about a relationship with Jesus Christ or about First Baptist Church, including contact info, go to the website www.fbcmc.org. Thank you for listening, and may God bless you.